welcome to the Election Ride Home for Friday, October 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins, with a summary of election news. Today, Ryan drops his bid for the presidency, Gabbard is all in on the presidency and not running again for Congress, the DNC announces its December debate requirements, we can now officially speculate about a January debate, we are approaching just 100 days until Iowa votes, Polls say Democratic voters are very happy with their options. And one Republican primary challenger says he would happily vote for Biden. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Yesterday, Representative Tim Ryan of Ohio officially dropped out of the presidential race. He had been running for 203 days. Now, as we do with all major candidates who leave the race, let's take a look back at his campaign. Ryan came in with a message of being able to persuade former Trump voters in his home state of Ohio and more broadly throughout the Midwest. He saw that constituency as one that he could connect to and consistently tried to push the field toward courting Trump voters in the region. He made it into the first two DNC debates, but like many others, did not make the second two to end his campaign and announce that he would run again in 2020 for a ninth term in his House seat, Ryan posted the following message to Twitter. Listen in. I'm announcing today that I am withdrawing from the presidential campaign. After seven long months of hard work, I'll be returning home to my family and friends and community in Ohio to run for re-election for my congressional seat. I got into this race in April to really give voice to the forgotten people of our country. The workers who have been left behind, the businesses who have been left behind, the people who need health care or aren't getting a quality education or saddled by tremendous debt. I wanted to give voice to the forgotten communities that have been left behind by globalization and automation. And I'm proud of this campaign because I believe we've done that. We've given voice to the forgotten communities and the forgotten people in the United States. And while it didn't work out quite the way we planned, uh, this voice will not be stifled. I will continue to advocate and fight for the working people of this country, white, black, brown, men, women, those people who get up every day, take a shower after work sometimes, but are working really hard. And we're gonna continue to fight for making sure that those workers are treated fairly, that they have access to good health care, that they have a solid pension to retire on. And we're gonna continue to try to shift how business is done in the United States. We're in about stakeholders for businesses, not just shareholders, the communities that they're in, the school districts that they help fund, the workers, the environment, all of these issues are critically important. And so I'll continue the fight and I appreciate all of the effort on behalf of our volunteers, our staff, all of those who chipped in money and made a sacrifice to help uh, get this campaign up and running. So a deep heartfelt thanks to all of you a deep heartfelt thanks to my wife Andrea and Mason and Bella and Brady uh, for picking up the slack while I've been away. Uh, look forward to continuing the fight. And again, thank you to everybody for supporting this campaign. And as part of our tradition of looking back at key moments in candidates' campaigns, I'm going to take you back to early August. In the clip coming up, Ryan speaks on Fox News in the aftermath of the Dayton, Ohio shooting. Remember, Ryan represents Ohio's 13th district, which does not include Dayton, but it ain't that big a state. 
Now, I first played this clip on August 5th of this year, and in it, Ryan offers his view of what the job of the president is. And he also mentions the El Paso shooting, which had just happened during the same weekend. Listen in. President of the United States, the most powerful person in the world, has to set a high standard. And, and he's not, you know, by saying these guys should go back to their countries wh where they came from. I mean, that, that type of, of toxicity is now permeated the entire country to where some jackass in Texas drives 10 hours to go shoot Mexicans. Yeah. I mean, come on. But, but, that, that, the president has a higher responsibility than the one he's executing today. He, the president, more than anything, Maria, and you know this, you've mm. been covering it for a long time. The president is a cultural figure, yeah. more than anything. Anything. And you set the cultural tone of the country. We're either going to go to the moon or we're going to tell people to go back to the country they came from. With Ryan's exit from the race, we still have 18 major Democratic candidates in the mix. Also, by my count, Ryan is the eighth major Democratic candidate to drop out. I will keep you posted if any of the rest start heading for the door. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Meanwhile, Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii made her own set of announcements. She is not running for re-election in Hawaii, which lines up with some slightly mysterious fundraising data in which her Hawaii congressional campaign wasn't bringing in money, while her presidential campaign definitely was. Now, why isn't she running for Congress? Well, Gabbard says she is all in on the presidency. Late last night, Gabbard posted a series of tweets, including a six-minute video message. She also posted a nearly 1,000-word statement on her website to go along with the video. Links to all of that in the show notes, by the way. The message there was clear. She was grateful to have served her home state, but she was ready to move on to become president. Let's listen to a clip from that six-minute video. Throughout my life, I've never thought of a quote-unquote political career. It's never crossed my mind. I've always done my best to serve wherever I felt I could make the most impact. This principle of service above self has been what has motivated the decisions that I've made throughout my life. And it's why I'm running for president. At this time, when our country is so divided and our world is moving ever closer to a nuclear holocaust, at this time when we may be sucked into another even more disastrous war in the Middle East 
and tensions with other nuclear powers are escalating. And with that, a new arms race and a cold war that can only end in nuclear catastrophe. I believe that I can best serve the people of Hawaii and our country as your president and commander in chief. Bringing the experience that I have, both as a soldier serving for over 16 years in the Army National Guard, deploying twice to the Middle East, and serving in Congress for nearly seven years on the Foreign Affairs, Armed Services, and Homeland Security Committees, I am prepared to walk into the Oval Office on day one to do that job. Where as President, I will immediately begin to work to end this new Cold War and nuclear arms race end our interventionist foreign policy of carrying out wasteful regime change wars, and instead redirect our precious resources towards serving the needs of the people right here at home. As such, I will not be seeking re-election to Congress in 2020, and I humbly ask you for your support for my candidacy for President of the United States. Reading from an article in Politico by Quint Forgey, quote, Gabbard's decision is also likely to stoke speculation that she is considering mounting a third-party presidential campaign, especially amid her high-profile clash over the past week with 2016 Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. The former Secretary of State has controversially suggested that Russian operatives are grooming her to be the third-party candidate, remarks which provoked a fierce rebuke from Gabbard and a defense of the Democratic candidate by President Donald Trump. End quote. So, this gives us an opening to talk about what the heck is up with Gabbard versus Clinton. To make a long story short-ish, Clinton went on the Campaign HQ podcast and said that Russia was backing Gabbard's campaign. She also said that Jill Stein, who ran as the Green Party candidate in 2016, was, quote, a Russian asset, end quote. And as part of that, Clinton implied that Gabbard was also a Russian asset and would likely run as a third-party candidate after not making it in the Democratic primary. Now, you know, that's a series of gigantic accusations, and of course, Gabbard responded. I'm going to read a bit here from a piece by Daniel Strauss, also in Politico, that sums up what happened next. Quote, Clinton spokesman Nick Merrill confirmed that the former Secretary of State was referring to Gabbard when she was describing a Democratic candidate preferred by Russia. Gabbard, who has previously said she would not run as a third-party candidate, fired back on Twitter. Thank you, at Hillary Clinton, Gabbard tweeted. You, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long, have finally come out from behind the curtain. From the day I announced my candidacy, there has been a concerted campaign to destroy my reputation. We wondered who was behind it and why. Now we know. It was always you, through your proxies and powerful allies in the corporate media and war machine, afraid of the threat I pose. It's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. Gabbard is frequently mentioned in Russian propaganda and media, including by RT, the news agency backed by the Kremlin, and she has been criticized for foreign policy views that some say are aligned too closely with Russia and other foreign adversaries of the United States, especially her views on Syria and Syrian President Bashar Assad. End quote. So, that is part of the backdrop for Gabbard's announcement today, though clearly not the only driver because she has been steering away from that Hawaii congressional race for at least a few months now. 
We will have to see what this does for Gabbard in the polls. She still needs three more results to qualify for the November DNC debate, and I'm about to tell you about another thing she will need to work toward. Next up, the DNC has announced a few details about the December debate. First, it'll be held on December 19th at the University of California in Los Angeles. And second, we have the qualification requirements. Candidates need to get at least 4% in four DNC-sanctioned polls, or 6% in just two early voting state polls. Each of these numbers is up by 1% from the November qualification threshold. In addition to the polling, candidates also need 200,000 donors, with at least 800 unique people in each of 20 states. And they have until December 12th to do all of this. So the first question is, all right, who already meets these criteria? Well, for sure, that includes Biden, Sanders, and Warren. According to a spreadsheet that tracks all this stuff, it looks like Buttigieg is almost there, and Harris is too, but they haven't quite qualified because of the timing of when the polls can be included to count for this particular debate. All of those candidates already meet the donor threshold, so the question there is simply a matter of polling, which should be no problem for them. So, that gives you a group of five who are almost certainly locked in. There are two more candidates who meet the donor requirements, but need help in the polling department. Those are O'Rourke and Yang. And then you have Steyer, who has one qualifying poll already, but doesn't have the donors yet, though he probably will very soon, since he's been very successful at getting small-dollar donors through online ads. Plus, there's Klobuchar, who's kind of in the best place of the folks who don't make the cut at the moment. Right now, Klobuchar has a bunch of 3% polls that don't quite count and lacks the donors as well. But if she goes up by one point in her polling, plus grabs some donors, she's in. Given that she has qualified for November, that's possible. And let's not forget Booker, Castro, and Gabbard, all of whom have problems in the polling department and maybe the donor department. Though in many cases, the donor estimates we have are old, so they are probably undercounts. So what does this all mean? Well, looking at it today, my read is that it will be very tough for some of the candidates we've consistently seen in previous debates to make it onto this December stage. I just walked you through seven people who were in the October debate, but who face real challenges qualifying for December. And that's leaving the issue of the November debate out of it. We've got nine people qualified for that one right now. Getting the donors has proved pretty easy for the candidates so far, so the polling here is really the challenge. And as always, I will keep you posted as we get more qualifiers. Here's a quick one. Now that we have a date for the December debate, we can officially start speculating about the debate that happens after that. The DNC already announced a plan to hold six debates in 2019, and then another six in the months leading up to April 2020. December is the sixth debate, so that rounds out their 2019 schedule. Now, the big question is, basically, do we have a January debate, and if so, when, and where, and how hard is it to qualify for that? Well, I don't know, but place your bets now. I'm going to wildly guess maybe they do it in Iowa, maybe mid-January, maybe all the polling thresholds go up one more percentage point. Seems as good a guess as any. Here's another quick item. 
Over the weekend, we will hit an important calendrical milestone. 100 days until the Democratic presidential caucuses in Iowa. For those of you who've been listening since April, yes, it is finally getting very real now. The caucuses are on Monday, February 3rd, 2020. And that means that tomorrow, Saturday, is the 100-day mark until Iowa votes. With about three months to go, candidates will be focusing heavily on the 99 counties in Iowa. There's a link in the show notes to an extensive Washington Post piece that walks you through the challenge of winning in Iowa. In what is technically an op-ed for the Washington Post, Aaron Blake examines historical polling about the Democratic primary field now versus primaries in the past. And specifically, he's looking for whether Democratic primary voters like the choices they are presented with. Well, long story short, yes, they really do. I'm going to read a modified quote where I remove some of the numbers so you can actually follow what the quote means. This is from the Post piece. Quote, Not only do polls suggest, basically, that all of these candidates would be favored to beat Trump, but they also suggest that Democratic voters are very happy with their choices. A Gallup poll last month showed 75% of Democrats said they were satisfied with their party's candidates. That is significantly higher than at similar junctures in 1992, 2003, and 2016. And it's about on par with 2007, when Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John Edwards were running. End quote. So check out the article for more analysis on how high-profile Democrats are flipping out just a bit right now about whether we need a last-minute primary run from some new high-profile Democrat versus the actual voters and how satisfied they are with the field they've currently got. And last up today, former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, who is running in the Republican primary, gave an interesting answer when asked who he might vote for in the upcoming general election. At the Citizen Conference sponsored by CNN, he was asked whether he might vote for a Democrat in 2020. His response? Quote, Could I vote for a Democrat? Hell yes. If it's Trump against Joe Biden, I'm with Biden in a heartbeat. End quote. He went on to say of Biden, quote, He's a lunch pail Democrat. He's a good guy. He's a centrist, and Trump is not going to be able to play the socialism card against him. End quote. Well, there you have it. We've got one Republican on the record saying he will vote for a Democrat. Just a few million more, and this thing is in the bag. Well, that is it for one more episode of the Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter at Chris Higgins. Tomorrow, I am commencing Operation Doug Fur Limb Removal. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. At the same time, I'll take a look at that pesky stump, which has been growing a few new suckers and trying to hold on. I will post some Instagram follow-up photos so all you stump fans and stump foes can root for me or root for it, I guess. In any case, big yarden weekend as winter is coming. And thanks to everybody for the thumbs up on reading books by Robert Caro. Now I've got my work, both physical and intellectual, cut out for me. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all on Monday. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. (laughs) AutoTrader.